Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode. We have gotten a bunch of responses lately so we're gonna start off with a little bit of fan feedback everyone knows this we're deep into the rhythm of war breaking it all down this episode we are looking at mylarn and some secret stuff from the recreants as is always the case all spoilers all the time you know this you can reach out to us on all the social medias find us that's awesome cool let's get into the episode Yeah, this is an aspect of Rhythm of War that we haven't touched on in a big way yet. But as you said, let's start with just a couple of great responses from some of our listeners from our last episode on Kaladin and Syl and the surge of adhesion. Courtney pointed out that one way to figure out specifically the difference between Kaladin and Lyft uh, in the tower would be to ask Brandon if Yasna was at Erythiru at that time, would she have stayed awake? And would she have access to one or both of her surges? And I thought that was an excellent call. So if we ever get a chance to ask Brandon a question or listeners, if you do, that's a good one. Yeah, I think that this is actually a genius move by Courtney yeah. because so often the problem that we have is actually the dichotomy where we have two characters or you know two sides that are opposing each other and we don't necessarily get to see what's in the middle yeah and that can cause all types of different types of conflict for telling your story generally if you're too yeah opposite of one another but this is great because it just provides everything that we need to know using Yasna to like triangulate what is actually going on at Erythiru would be genius. And I would hope, what would you expect if Yasna just dropped in there uh, like she was there the whole time? Yeah, it, well, I would expect that she would remain awake because she is of at least the fourth ideal I don't know about her surges. Like that would be the most interesting part of the answer to this question if Brandon didn't just immediately raffle it (laughs) but that would really be the the thing to look out for and I do not know I would think that from my knowledge and what I think is going on that like you said Yasna would definitely be awake but would not have any access to her surges because I think that Lyft is the weird one who just like can game break anything and adhesion is unique. We talked yeah. about this a whole I mean, bunch last episode. Yeah, I'm yes, not going to so. go back to all my same arguments. I disagree. Go listen to our last episode. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney, though, for like solving the puzzle by using Yasna. That's always great when you use that Yasna puzzle piece. And then Seth wrote in to bring Ja'anat and her enlightened spren kind of into this equation and put forth the idea that perhaps these weird spren are like the key to unlocking the hidden surges of rashar yeah the hidden surges of rashar or maybe just the cosmere or the rasharian system slightly more limited i don't know but i think that we mentioned in our last episode that the concept of jaana maybe opening up unexpected yeah paths for us like we think of them as corrupted spren but what if actually she's, you know, using a, a loophole to get to a whole different power source or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I am really fascinated to see what goes on there because potentially there is like a whole third. Yeah. Subclass. Yeah. Wave of radiance, not radiance, maybe, but surge binders, power mm-hmm. users, because you would have the regular radiance bonding higher spren and then like Ja'anat's special people bonding her quote-unquote enlightened spren and then you also obviously have the void light 
users. Fused users, yeah. Fascinating I, Yeah, I really do think genre is an important part of the equation. Conversely, I think that, you know, what we will learn about Ba'edo Mishram in this next book, it clearly is set up that Ba'edo Mishram is important as well. So it could be a combination of like Ba'edo Mishram tried to do something and Ja'anat is maybe going down a similar path. Like they hmm. perhaps were both working in cahoots in some way. Hmm. Plenty of speculation is possible. <laughs> this episode, though, we are going to be talking about Mylarn the trial with Adolin, and how that impacts our knowledge of the recreants. Because I would say, other than the things that we learned about light and sound and how those work together, I think that the discovery or the revelation that Maya brings to the table about the recreants is probably the most significant aspect of lore changing that we've seen from Rhythm of War. And really, it makes you go back and look at everything that we've talked about previously, you know, past us being wrong all the time about what the recreants meant and how that was impacting the current radiance. I think that Maya's revelation, now that we have seen it, is the only thing that makes sense when looking, like it always had to be that. Obviously, let's just talk about what happened with Maya, what she unveils, and then how that impacts our knowledge of the recreants. Yeah, because not even just the recreants, but what happens with Maya sheds a lot of light on, again, uh, bonds between humans and Spren and like all of the gray area that exists that hasn't been explored. And I think that there's the potential here for a lot of variation in terms of power access on Rashar coming up in the future. Let's start with Adolin and Maya's relationship. We get to see a lot of it in this book, and there are some super interesting passages from the trial section where Maya is brought in and the honor spren are basically abusing her, or not abusing her, but they are using her to incriminate Adolin, essentially, and taking advantage of the fact that, as far as they know, Maya doesn't speak for herself. And importantly, they are putting both Adolin and Maya in situations where the honor spread are removing their agency. Adolin's agency regarding having a fair trial and being able to speak his case. Maya's agency to literally speak at all. Yeah. They are just real bad like the honor sprint are so so dishonorable yeah exactly i (laughs) dislike them so much and when we started you know way of kings and you're getting sill as you're like oh honor sprint they seem so great and then you're helping kaladin and it's like yeah you guys are just there being honorable and nice and like helping no honor sprint are dicks (laughs) they really are like the dicks of Shadesmore, or at least I don't know to if there's fair, worse. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of. There might be bigger the dicks organized out there. cities of the other spread because Blended is a pretty big dick too. Oh man, Blended is hilarious, but also yes, yeah, definitely. We'll get there. Let's talk about Maya and Adolin. Okay, quote. Maya's voice grew louder, gasping breaths punctuated by ragged howls, and in that moment, Adolin felt her pain somehow, a deep agony, and anger? Anger at the honor spren, end quote. So there's some way in which Adolin is able to sense, feel Maya's emotions, which is very similar to the way that Kaladin and Syl interact as well. They have a sort of innate, intrinsic understanding of each other's emotional state. So I found that a very insightful passage. Yes. And because we saw Kaladin and Syl's relationship grow and their bond deepen over Rhythm of War, one of the things that they were trying out was like sending messages to each other over long distance. Non-verbal communication. Exactly. And that is here what Adolin is doing, basically. He's non-verbally communicating by sharing the emotions of Maya. I think that this is another example of Brandon presenting one thing in a straightforward way for one of our characters while 
using a little bit of not subterfuge, but just using a little bit of literary skills to subtly introduce it with another character. I believe that Kaladin and Adolin are having very similar experiences with their bonds deepening. Yeah. In this book. And when, because it is a moment, it's a moment that like switches and then Adolin goes through a couple of other like key moments in the trial. It continues on and kind of deepens. And that passage goes on to say, quote, yes, Adolin could feel that agony as if it were his own. He didn't know how, but he could, end quote. And then a little ways after that, we have, quote, Maya's howls came to a crescendo of anguish. Then she fell silent, gasping for breath. Weak. Too weak. Take it, Adolin thought to her. Take some of my strength. She looked right at him, and despite her scratched-out eyes, she saw him. Adolin felt something, a warmth deep within him. Maya drew in air, filling her lungs, her expression livid as she gathered all of her strength. She prepared to shout again. End quote. Just to conclude it and to set us where we are, it is that line and then Maya speaks for the first time. She opens her mouth. Adolin is expecting the scream and instead comes out, we chose. Yes. And that moment where Adolin says, take some of my strength and he feels this warmth, Maya, that's their bond solidifying to something we have not previously seen in the same way. The only comparable thing is the Radiance bonding their spren. Right. And I think that it is not the same, but equivalent. Like it is equal to what has happened with other Yeah, spren. I mean, it seems to be, again, like pretty much the same um, in a way, which is super interesting because we've been speculating for so long about the possibility of Adolin like being able to bond Maya and is that even possible and it's such a new frontier but it seems like okay (laughs) stay with me it's kind of like Kaladin and Syl and like the typical radiant bond is like a marriage where each party like agrees to enter into this bond for mutual benefit. And Adolin and Maya are like an arranged marriage where they were bonded before they really knew each other. Mm-hmm. But now that like that bond exists and they're starting to like get to know each other and starting to nurture that bond. And am I crazy to make that comparison? Not at all. I think that that's actually a really good, I would maybe just change around the words a little bit because the, what happened with Adolin and Maya, I think they were married first and then the bond developed in this moment. So the no, bond because is, he bonded his shard blade. Ooh, that's a good point. That's what they I'm do thinking. Go like a ritual process. Exactly. I totally agree. I think that. So I guess maybe love, she's more like a mail order bride. <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, I, I think that arranged marriage... <laughs> Where they were just like, well, guess I'm married to this guy now. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't have a, a lot of say in the matter. But I think that the concept that you're getting across is that they were brought together by circumstance and yeah. the situation. And it wasn't until this moment when they actually bonded or fell in love or took the next step. Like they Well, it's elevated been a process, themselves. right? Because there's a moment mm-hmm. when Maya tells him her name. Yes. In the last time they went into Shadesmar in Oathbringer. Yeah. And, you know, there have been a lot of moments where Adolin, good guy that he is, ugh, God bless Adolin, is just putting a lot of time and energy and effort and attention into developing their relationship, working out with her and yeah, like I mean, you every know, single guiding day, her. They are doing katas in the morning. When Adolin runs, well, actually, Gallant does the running, but when Adolin goes to save Notum on the road, it is Maya. Oh my gosh, that moment is so good. And they go like back to back. Yeah. And they're doing... He's like, oh my gosh, that scene is so It's an intense and great scene. It's so intense. And then when he feels Maya at his back and she's just like, I'm here. I got you. Yeah, exactly. So, and every single time that Adolin 
tries to share the experience with another human or even other spren, he is shut down. Like, yeah, the dead eyes don't do is that. Like, basically telling him he's making it up. Yes, and he's just like, "Oh, how did you train your dead eye to do that? What is the trick that you are using with Maya?" And he keeps saying like she's making he's the choice. He's like I'm just being nice to her basically yeah. and like I'm treating her like a person. <laughs> and so I believe that they're not radiant bond because afterwards yeah. blended does like clearly Yeah, I have that quote here. Cool, let's go to that one from blended after the outburst and the falling apart of the trial. Quote, I wanted to know if a truth exists. The one you said to me. Adolin frowned, trying to remember. That she spoke, Blended reminded him, to you. That friendship exists between you. I sought proof, and found that her name, recorded in old documents of Spren treaties, is, as you said, a curious fact to find, indeed. Blended strolled around Adolin and studied Maya's face. Still scratched out, she said. Though a bond between you is. I'm... No radiant, Adolin said. No, that is certain. Maya met Blended's gaze. But something is happening. End quote. Probably the most important kind of send-off to this scene. We don't really know how it's going to impact the Honor Spren Society. We don't really know what it means for the overall success of Adolin and Shallan's journey into Shadesmar and like getting more Spren on their side. Yeah. The big picture is lost, but blended recognizing that some type of bond exists yeah, her is really like important. confirmation that there is something happening here maybe something new maybe something like no one has seen before and confirming that it is not a radiant bond is important as is always the case we can't get too confident when any character says something as if they know what's going on, because nobody knows what's going on. So I wonder, though, because this is a different type of bond. It is not a Nahal bond, I would assume. I think that a Nahal bond is what is happening between Syl and Kaladin that is dependent on oaths. So I almost think that this bond, whatever it is, is maybe the way forward, because Adolin and... Maya are like both agreeing to it and they both get some benefit, right? Like I think I think it's probable that Adolin can summon his shard blade in less than 10 heartbeats and like he may have some other benefits from this bond, but he's not fully radiant. And I feel like that's kind of a good middle place to be, you know, <laughs> where you're like, we can both benefit, but it's not such a like dramatic thing where if Kaladin breaks his oaths, Syl is going to die and Kaladin is all of a sudden like completely without all of these powers that he's had. And it's like this big dramatic thing. I actually think that this may be the answer to one of the questions that I brought up in our first Rhythm of War episode, which is there has to be some type of way forward for the human and Spren to work together because... Yeah, exactly. The, like I can imagine a world where humans and Spren are sharing the world mm -hmm. and are in partnership in the way that Adolin and Maya are relating yes. to each other. Because Not necessarily in the way that Kaladin and Syl are like correct. so dependent on each other. You know, like Absolutely. Adolin and Maya are benefiting, but they're still their own people. They don't have to worry about accidentally killing each other if they like do the wrong thing, you know? I think that this may be the answer to many of the problems. For example, the Fabriel problem that Navani mm -hmm. and the sibling run into yeah because there has to be some type of mutual consent going forward clearly when it comes to the Nahel bond that is a consenting relationship but then you have Adolin and Maya's I know this is an interesting conversation to be having after we compared it to like an arranged marriage no but I think <laughs> that that's important because it obviously everyone's marriage is different but the thing that is important, no matter when it comes, is that bond that 
is supposed to be for life and deep between two people, like that is the most important thing. Some people may have had an arranged marriage and never get to that point, but some people who have an arranged marriage do get to that point. Oh, yeah. And they have completely happy and fulfilling lives and, you know, whatever, many children and just everything is great for them because they eventually got to the point of having a really strong marriage. Some people, they never get married and they have that bond anyways. Totally. And so I think for Adolin and Maya, they may have gone in a different order than the Radiant Nahel bond, but I think that it could end up being the key to unlocking what is possible on Rashar. If you can yeah. just somehow... and like how to strike a balance yes, exactly. between those populations. And then I also wonder like, is this the way to restore all of the dead eyes that they need to like bond a new human? And in the same way that, you know, a spren bonds a human and like fills a crack in their spirit web is a broken spren healed like does that crack in their spirit web get filled by their bond that's kind of what i am hoping for you know there has been this big debate for many books now about should adolin become a radiant yeah and one of the key caveats is adolin's not broken enough like everyone else who's a radiant i know i know i'm not even gonna start on that however (laughs) but i want to take this like slightly down the path, just start with that point of Adolin not quite being broken enough to compare to these other radiants. He doesn't actually need a spren. But if we remember that what is happening with the radiance and what happens on other planets as well, like Scadrial with the people who become Alamancers, is a breaking of their spirit web yeah. in some way. And then investiture on Rashar in the form of a spren, on Scadrial in the form of allomantic abilities and like the power of preservation. But the investiture gets in there and like glues together the or fills in the missing pieces of the broken spirit web. If Adolin is not broken enough to qualify for Radiant Nahelbon, then I think that clearly Maya is broken enough. Her spirit web literally was together with another human and then broken and ripped out and leaving her in this dead form. Adolin could be, he's like a reverse sprint or doing the function. Yeah, he's he's like performing the function of what sprint do for the Nihel. And so, yes, Adolin is so amazing that he is literally going to fix Maya, not fix her, obviously, you know, people go through things, but he is going to help repair that spirit web that was broken for her. And then maybe that means other dead eyes can experience the same thing with humans. Yeah. Let's go on to the big crescendo of that trial scene, as well as one of the biggest themes, I think, in Rhythm of War, talking about Spren and their agency and their ability to choose. We have throughout Rhythm of War many different examples from the Stormfather to the sibling to Rabaniel, Sil to Sil to Notum, many different examples of people saying that Spren are more locked in than humans, while then continually be given examples, both subtly and explicit, that Spren are very, very much changeable. Yes, they're very <laughs> much able to change. They're very much able to grow and adapt and do different things over time to be different. And of course, like Maya, to choose their own path. One of the most resistant to change is the Stormfather. And he criticizes yeah. Syl for her, you know, being ancient daughter like, running off with a local townie. <laughs> and given him radiant powers, when he says to Syl, quote, you give too much of yourself to that human. Isn't that why we exist? No. You have always misunderstood this. You do not exist for them. You exist for you. You exist to chew, end quote. 
I think it's so funny that he says that to her because, like you said, he spends the rest of the book just talking about how, like, he doesn't have a choice. He's destined just to be the spren of a storm. All he is is a storm. He can't change. He can't do anything differently. Things are the way they are. (laughs) Like, come on, dude. Listen to your own advice. You literally said it right there. I do think that there is a caveat here when it comes to the Stormfather, and I know that we've mentioned this before, but the kind of weird example of what he is in that way of the Trinity, where he might be saying, I can't change, I'm just the storm, and I'm just gonna, I'm destined to keep being a storm and blow and all that stuff. When he is speaking with the mind of the actual spread of the storms. But he is also other things at this point. Yes, but it is proven throughout the course of the book that he has choices to make and he can do things outside of what he thinks is possible. 100, and so can other sprint. Yeah, exactly. I, I am just trying to always remember and always keep in mind that the Stormfather is not aware of all that the Stormfather is able to be and do. Like, yes, but I think the point is like there will always be restrictions. It's not like, you know, this Bren can't do literally anything in the universe. They can't even leave her shot. Yeah, like there are obviously always parameters. But within those parameters, you have choices. And I think that that's kind of what the Stormfather is getting at with Syl is and I think he's misunderstanding her like it's a lot of just miscommunication between people which is most fights and I think that he is saying you don't exist for them you exist for you you exist to choose Syl obviously thinks that she is choosing yeah she's like I made a choice I chose Kaladin (laughs) and that's the thing he doesn't like the choice that she made and therefore (laughs) you didn't even choose he was just the only guy around (laughs) nobody else was willing to bond you just I think that there is like a deep misunderstanding between the Stormfather in this case and Syl and like what she actually did and the reasons that she did that for. It is so hard when like we feel as readers, obviously, Syl chose Kaladin and she made those decisions in like a consenting manner. So I feel very much as a reader just going, duh. Like, it's obvious. Like, she clearly, in that instance, is doing exactly what the Stormfather is telling her, but he thinks that she is not, and she's being, like, dragged along as, like, a a victim, basically, of Kaladin. Yeah, and I think that's a big aspect of it. During the trial, we get this, quote, All this time, Adolin said, his voice louder for the audience, everyone assumed you were victims. We didn't accept that you were partners with the Radiance. We chose, she hissed, then belting it loud as an anthem. We chose. End quote. I love that he just names that, that this whole time everyone was just thinking of the Spren as victims of this circumstance. And the reality is that they were partners. And so I think this dovetails right back in with our analysis of Adolin and Maya's relationship and that they are like equal partners in whatever is happening between them. And I really think that that is the key aspect that Rhythm of War keeps getting at with Navani and Rabaniel's relationship and the co-creation of A New Light with the sibling and Navani's relationship with Relaine and Renarin's relationship, like all the different aspects will do a special breakdown on the cute ships of (laughs) the Stormlight Archive. But I think that this is just a, a continual note that Brandon is trying to hit in this book is that there is a can be described as a codependence, but also just a strength that comes from relying on another person and building a relationship with another person. Yeah. And that like so much of it has to do with perspective, Mm -hmm. which I think is also kind of the key difference between what we've seen from Nahalbon's versus Adolin and Maya's 
Bond, which is, and we've only, to be fair, we've only seen these from like mostly human perspectives. But for the first couple books, you know, you're pretty much like, oh, cool. The human gets to kind of use this friend to get powers. Mm -hmm. And that perspective, that like framing of the relationship is very different from what you could ever say about Adolin and Maya's relationship, which is very clearly like equal on both sides. At the same time, the honor spren literally point out that Maya is Adolin's slave in the physical world mm, where yeah. she is like summoned to him yeah. by force of his will. And he admits that. And he's just like, yes, we, we didn't know originally that they were dead eye spren yeah but and we're gonna like, keep doing since it since i've and like since i found out like i've done everything possible to take care of her yeah you i'm know? trying to be better take that yeah next step. yeah and i love i just have to shout out like a great feminist and just all around like good human moment from adolin at the very end mm. of this section, they're like walking away and Adolin's like, wow, she she came to my rescue. She came to save me. And then he corrects himself and he's like, no, actually, she didn't do it for me. She spoke for herself because she needed to speak for herself. And like she needed to say mm. that not for me, but like for her own agency and her own uh, justification and her, you know, speaking to her people to tell this huge truth. And I just love that he, like, checks himself, calls himself out for it, and, like, continues to try to be better. I completely agree. And I think that scene is actually important for another reason. Like, the preceding line is that Maya is conserving her energy. She's not healed, yeah. but she is better. And that brings it back to what you said is this isn't a one-sided relationship. Is I am pretty sure that Maya is a step above where she was oh, yeah. previously. And the the gain came at some expense to Adolin. Yes, I agree. I think whatever that like transfer mm -hmm. is that happens when he like consents for her to take some of his strength and then he feels that warmth. I think that there is some kind of energy, life force. Well, it kind of reminds spirit me of energy. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, good call. Like she goes from being like a full drab to just a half drab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, she gets back. She was nothing. She was nullified. Ooh. And she's kind of like the lifeless. Isn't yes. that what they're called on Nalthus? The they're zombies? like the yeah, the zombies. Yeah. Well the zombies mm. are dead and then pumped back. Yeah, they're reanimated yes. corpses. But in Warbreaker, we they see retain. a lot of clues that they retain some of their, like, personality and stuff. Ooh, this is a good comparison. I like this. Always got to be making the Cosmere connections. I really do believe what we saw there was something akin to my life to yours, my breath to yours, that type of transfer of something, some X factor. It might have been investiture. It might not technically be investiture, but, like, I do believe that there was some type of... Yeah, there's some energy exchange that mm -hmm. happens that I do think changes her. We hope to, of course, see more of this in the next book. You are welcome to hit us up with your theories about what's going to happen to Maya and Adolin's relationship. The last little thing that we want to talk about and really focus on is how does this change our vision or insight of the recreants and the past of Rashar. Yeah. I pulled just a few quotes here to, again, just highlight the, like, why. Why did the recreants happen and what exactly happened and what does this mean? Quote, thousands of Spren chose death instead of letting the radiance continue. Does this not worry you more? They truly believed that as humans claimed at the time, surge binding would destroy the world, that the solution was to end the orders of radiance, suddenly, at the cost of many lives, end quote. And I think that's a great thing to point yeah, out. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah, that 
your initial reaction is like, oh, cool. This is like way better than we thought. You know, they they agreed to it. It was a mutual decision. And then, yeah, you take that one step further and you're like, oh, hmm. (laughs) I believe that this is perhaps worse and perhaps the callback to the events that happened on Ash and leading to the human world's destruction where maybe there is some aspect of like we're caught in an infinite loop with radiance and then void bringers radiance sure. and void bringers uh-huh. radiance and void bringers and the possible solution that maybe existed in the recreants was break the loop and then you can eliminate the radiance and then if there are no radiance then there will be no void bringers or some yeah. type of peace can exist if only you are willing to sacrifice the greatest Mm. thing that has ever happened which is the creation of these people with superpowers yeah like maybe this is something that brandon explored in his other series uh the young adult the reckoner series which is about people on planet earth that get superpowers but there's this question of how do the superpowers impact everyone and change them and is it really good like are the people with the superpowers the villains or the heroes type of thing i just wonder if the stormlight archive is not a greater exploration of that concept of like perhaps the radiance in the past believed that by eliminating their bonds and making that sacrifice they would actually stop the cycle yeah i think that's a good call and then we have this exchange between adolin and maya quote why maya why were you willing to do it to save save she sagged and shook her head to save us from something worse, Adolin said, then looked to Blended. What does it mean? It means we've had all of this terribly wrong for much time, High Prince Adolin, she said. And my own stupidity is, I have always thought myself smart. She shook her head as she stood before them, arms folded. End quote. A total bummer to think yourself smart. Where <laughs> And then be proven wrong. Yeah. You so, will always, all of life. <laughs> exactly. Always you will be proven wrong. <laughs> I think that what Blended says here is clearly the big takeaway from Rhythm of War is that we've been wrong. We've been wrong about this once again. I know. This is just the inevitable happenstance of all of Sanderson's book is just like continually being wrong. And I like the practice. It's good for all of us to like practice being okay with being wrong. (laughs) I do feel like it's made me, you know, it was a tough year for everybody. (laughs) We had a long 2020 and into 2021. Things are looking up. That's great. But at the same time, it is good to be reminded that as much as we live in an interconnected world and all the information that comes at you every single day, there is far more that you don't know. That we don't know. And, and that that's you will like never know. good and yes. bad, right? Like there's plenty of things that we think we know and things are actually much better than mm-hmm. we think. <laughs> yes, 100%. That for me, what this means is that there definitely was a reason. They definitely made a decision. Could that have been the wrong decision? Yes. Sure. But I think that the actual answers probably closer to something along the lines of they made the right decision at the time where the relationship between Adolin and Maya, possibly between Navani and the sibling and the power of Fabrials, right. like all of that could be the better decision that the people right. in the past didn't know existed as an option. Yeah, I mean, just the the timeline of history, the timeline of life is never a straight line and sometimes your path is really zigzaggy and so as you're saying maybe it like isn't a great decision and we can see that now but at the time it was the best decision that they could have made Mm -hmm. which is difficult to kind of wrap our head around because of course the recreance sets up everything that becomes of the stormlight archive and when you start better understanding that past i have this question of like do we need to fully understand the past in order to move forward on rashar do we need to have all of the answers possible in order for our characters to move forward from like let's say book five to book six is like that really necessary for us to get i 
am beginning to lean more towards no than I would have at the very beginning of the Stormlight Archive. I don't know, but I want to know everything. (laughs) Yes, you want all the answers. I want like a full 600-page history book about the history of Rashar. You don't know many historians. 600 pages is nothing. I know. I mean, I don't need it to be like an encyclopedia, but I want like a a good long book. I would love if there was a... Because there's been some talk about a, a... Oh my gosh, yeah, like a coffee table book and an encyclopedia book and an art book that may all exist or all exist together as yeah, one kind book. Yeah, pieces of it may I'm already so exist. And it could include a bunch of artwork and a bunch... Of, like, I would just love an encyclopedia of Richard. Oh, I would love it so much. Light Archive Encyclopedia. Just another thing to add to our collection of books. Do you want to talk about how great Adolin is? Duh. Is that even a question? Nope. It was a rhetorical <laughs> one that you answered anyways. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> this is the moment for Adolin appreciation. We did a whole episode about Kaladin. Now we're going to talk about his much better brother-in-arms, Adolin. <laughs> Obviously, there is the just wonderful moment at the very beginning of the book when uh, Adolin comes to get Kaladin when he is in a real bad spot and forces him to come out and have some FFF forced friend fun. The good stuff. <laughs> now he takes him to the best bar ever and yes. they're all chilling because it's one of the individual's birthdays. They are having a great time. Kaladin is feeling real lame and Adolin makes him feel better. There is a cool moment in there that maybe ish foreshadows some of Adolin's future he says quote I'm worried about you both Adolin said I'm going to find a way to help somehow end quote and that just sounds a whole lot like something an edge dancer would say and Maya is an edge dancer spren a Correct. cultivation yeah, spren. cultivation spren so just something interesting to note. Again, I don't think he is going to actually become an edge dancer, but I'm interested in this weird gray area. Like he's going to be some kind of shadow edge dancer. Ooh. I just don't think it's a coincidence that he has so many characteristics that would be appropriate for an edge dancer. Even when you called out his recognition and checking himself Remembering. Yeah, remembering exactly that's <laughs> another one of the edge dancers early ideals i think that this really just sums up adolin going to find help some way somehow i'm going to try to help you out totally awesome dude great friend perfect person to have around at all times i am very much intrigued about the relationship between kaladin and adolin i am also beginning to wonder, just as we're talking right now, if there is a possibility that we use what Courtney mentioned at the very beginning, someone mm-hmm. to like triangulate mm-hmm. where Adolin is going to end up. Because why do any of the Radiants heal themselves? Not like an edge dancer when they are healing someone else. Mm-hmm. Why do just like the normal healing abilities work on Radiance? That's not any of the surges, right? That's just power of investiture. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. So what if Adolin became a, you know, obviously he's a master duelist. Mm-hmm. What if he was just a duelist who could just heal himself? He didn't have access to surges, but he oh. had Maya bringing Some investiture kind of, yeah, in. investiture pipeline <laughs> basically yeah, yeah shortcut to the investiture pipeline uh no but that's like yeah. his one thing that he could access mm-hmm. and it's not a surge you don't right. need a hell bond for it but there's just like maya siphoning off some investiture so that he can yeah heal. yeah i like that idea i i'm very interested in this kind of middle ground situation that seems to be happening with adolin and i would love for him to have just like a tiny little bump. Not, you know, not crazy, no surges, but just like a little bit better than the average human. I feel like he that's is good. A little bit better he than is. the average oh human. Oh my gosh, he's so great. This book is really cool too because we get a lot of character growth from Adolin. And especially when you go all the way back to 
Way of Kings and a couple of the Adolin perspective chapters, you hear so many of his like worries and insecurities. And, you know, he looks like a carefree high prince who's like dallying with the ladies on the outside. But on the inside, you hear about all of his struggles, his relationship with his dad and how, you know, he doesn't ever feel quite good enough. And I love that in this book, we start to see him really come into his own and like separate himself and crystallize like his own personality apart from anyone else, apart from anyone's idea of what he is supposed to be. And we get a couple of these quotes, quote, Shalon wasn't pushing him to be something he was not. More, he finally felt free enough to explore an identity that wasn't tied to being the Blackthorn's son, end quote. And then from Adolin, we hear, quote, Maybe, incredible though it may seem, there are more than two choices in life. I'm not you, but that doesn't mean I'm Teravangian. Maybe I'm my own brand of wrong, end quote. Yeah. And then he has another quote to his dad where he says, quote, I'm just more willing to let you be disappointed by the person I am, end quote. And it's just so great to see him like carving out his own little niche. I mean, he does it with his fashion, which has always been a yes. huge interest. But at this and point, he leans into it and is just like, you know what? This is who I am. I like wearing fancy stuff. And I love, though, that he always kind of does strike this middle ground where he doesn't go to become like a, you know, a, a dalliant. Flop. Yes, he's not just flopping around. Uh, but he is taking a lot of the aspects of his father and that like rigidity in the military background and is just adding like dashes of Adolin to it mm -hmm. where it's such a unique thing that only can be because of Adolin. And he does it with, like, clearly the comfort of being told that he is wrong so often when it comes to the relationship between Maya and himself. That comes from a strength that he's getting yeah. from Shalon, but that he's also been building to and growing to, where even though, you know, these magical spren who exist in a world that is, you know, next to his world, but is in an entirely different world, and these, like, powerful spren that when he was growing up were just poofs in the sky little lights and whatnot but now they're real tangible characters that are like talking to him and they're saying like no this is how it works over here and he's like no no you're you're very wrong about that because yeah, his confidence in yes. himself and like his own choices is so great well done well done what a great human <laughs> obviously that fight where he is trying to save Nottam is such a great scene. That was one of my favorites to reread on my reread. It really was the epitome of Adolin. Yeah. But there were just so many aspects of that fight that I loved. For example, once he realizes what is happening, that the caravan that was trailing him was actually trying to get to Notum, he immediately starts running and just full out dead sprint to go help it reminds yeah, me yeah no backup nothing he's yes. just like this is the right thing to do i'm in and then of course he does have backup that comes galloping behind him yeah but as, like almost too late he's fighting by himself for a long time oh no 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 i'm talking about literally the first person to give him backup is gallant oh yeah I obviously that instant. gallant carrying maya yes and the people around and the the spren around are like did anybody hear adolin call for gallant like yeah. <laughs> how did gallant get free from like carrying all the luggage and stuff it was just another reminder about how different the rishadium are and how that bond with music spren is really really significant oh i was gonna say it's a testament to adolin and his ability to build bonds with anyone including animals including dead eyes like he is such a great person and is always just remembering everyone around him being cool that they build these bonds and he's you know then he has his backup when he needs it yeah because just like maya comes to his aid you know unspoken 
they have that nonverbal communication. In a very similar way, Gallant has nonverbal communication. Adolin sends a warning out, or he is stressed and running, and Gallant looks or feels and notices that, and then responds to go just like Kaladin did in Words of Radiance. There's just like a desire to help Adolin because Adolin has a desire to help other people. Yeah. And when you see that type of person in trouble, whether you be a spren or a <laughs> Rishadium or a person, you are going to respond in kind and try to help that person maybe more than you would anybody else. Yeah, totally. And of course, after the fight to save Notum, there is then a perceived betrayal of Notum at Adolin's trial. Notum shows up as one of the witnesses and instead of... Yeah, he's like being incentivized, we'll yeah. say. Bribed, <laughs> to testify slightly, blackmailed, kind of. Yeah, to testify against Adolin. And he gets there and he decides, nope, it's not the right thing to do. And he has seen Adolin be, you know, so honorable over the last period of time. And so he stands up for Adolin by saying, quote, honor is not dead as long as he lives in the hearts of men, end quote. And he says it as this, like, it's a line. Yeah, like it is a a thing that is said or has been said. Yes, the minute that he says it, the entire Honor Spren crowd and Kalek all go crazy. Like there's fighting. Yeah, they go some, from being stoic. Some people are mad about it. Yes. Some people echo are, him yes, and, and take like up the cheering. cry. They're like, yes, honor is not dead as long as he lives in the hearts of men. Like it is a lightning bolt that literally cripples Kalek. He goes like down into his, yeah. he's like huddling and shaking back and forth. The trial is stopped and paused and it takes, you know, getting people out, calming everything down. And then Adolin like walks up and he's like, uh, what was that? And Kalek pretends that nothing has happened that's been this weird. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, you've opened up some longstanding rifts in the honor spreading community. But I think that this line is the key example that, yes, shows us that there's division among the honor spread that they're not all the same, that they're not just like one big group, but also that there is some concept that the honor spread have that honor is not truly dead. And that perhaps the, yes. And, I think, and by that, do you mean the shard I honor? Do. Yes. Got it. I think that we have talked many times about the divisions that honor did throwing his cognitive shadow into mm-hmm. the storm father siphoning off his power into different things like the honor blades but also i think that there is the potential that honor did something akin to what endowment does by giving everyone a little tiny piece of himself that like literally honor gave some of his power to humans as a protective measure or possibly a mistake that led to his (laughs) eventual death. But like it could have been a creation element where there was some type of like, you are now part of Rashar and as demonstration of that, you all get a tiny bit of honor or something like that. I don't know if I necessarily see that. In my mind, it would be more of... Um, like a spren situation where if humans are still thinking about the concept of honor and what that means, yeah, that there is some um, power being generated in the direction of honor. We also know that some of the other shards, like Ruin and Preservation on Scandrail, don't get destroyed, even if like the the vessel is removed from the situation. There's a way for the vessels to die, but the shard power to just cycle back and to kind of recycle itself through the natural world. But in this case, the vessel was killed and the power was shattered. Exactly. But if there was a process that Honor did 
where he removed enough of his power, like cognitive shadow. Oh, style. is it like if you collect all 10 of the honor blades, you can reforge honor or something? Basically, is that what you're thinking? Like how well, Vin goes to the yeah. well of ascension and like the power coalesces Exactly. There? It kind of makes me think that perhaps it's a different process, obviously, and it's not the same gotta catch them all basically yes <laughs> but it's something that's mentioned in the letter from zays to hoid where it happens different on rashar than it does on skadriel but he mentions this kind of like power recycling uh, really what does he say when talking about the deaths of both devotion and dominion he says he's troubled by that because quote I had not realized this immense power we held was something that could be broken in such a way. On my world, the power always gathered and sought a new vessel, end quote. Yeah, but I think that's because in those circumstances, only the vessel was killed. The power was never shattered. You but know? devotion so and was... dominion it was. Right. Yes. So I am saying that the key thing that we think happened on Rashar is that the power of honor was, was also shattered. shattered. Yes. My concept from all of this stuff that we have talked about is that enough of honor's power was siphoned away where instead of it being like devotion and dominion, it's closer to a preservation and ruin where it is able to be coalesced. And then like what you said, part of what is powering that coalescing and maybe what the honor sprint are hinting at with this key line and key phrase is that men are able to help coalesce honor. It's like a seed crystal that can then be know built if around. I totally buy that. If anything, I could just see it being the honor blades since they are literally pieces of honor's power. And so, like, as long as the honor blades are out there, there is a little bit of honor out there. That's really the only thing I can see. But I mean, a that's good a very thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it's a very like physical reality. Yeah, I feel like the sprinter talking about something more esoteric. Yeah, philosophical. I agree. I, agree. I have one last thing for you as a possible speculation. You okay. ready for this? Okay. Adolin becomes honor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't think so. Yes. Everyone, you heard it here first. Adolin <laughs> is going to become honor. I'm 100% behind this now. Oh, my gosh. JK, I'm okay. not actually behind this. But I think that if my little thinking on this line is correct, is that if humans, men generally, are able to have a little bit of honor inside them. And as long as it lives in the hearts of one person, as long as one person is honorable, then there is the potential and possibility that honor is still alive. Honor being the power of the shard here. Mm -hmm. I think that it is then likely that one of those men should be the seed crystal for a new honor. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of speculation about honor coming back in mm -hmm. some way one of our heroes taking up the mantle of or honor merging into other honor yeah. yeah obviously i think the primary candidate for that would be dalinar as we have already discussed but we will see exactly dalinar takes a lot of the heat we also think that well i think that dalinar is going to lose this matchup and is going to become teravodium's weapon throughout the cosmere but that would then leave Rashar with like a big gigantic hole. And I I told you I am still kind of on the Warshard train. Mm, I think there's the I think there's a, a third path. The blending yeah. of honor and and odium. Odium. Yeah. As, yeah. I like that idea. I think that as we have previously mentioned, the three characters that were touched by cultivation could all end up being replacements of the older shards. Sure. I would love if we got some feedback from the fans on what you think is going to happen with Honor, with Adolin, with the power, what's going to go down. Let us know. Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, Patreon. We are everywhere. 
We have been remiss in our Stormlight Archive Explained Badly in the last few episodes. There's just been so much note-taking that I haven't thought about it at all. But today we have a truly excellent one. And Tyler, I'm going to need your help for this one. I'm going to need you to do your best movie trailer voice. I was preparing for this. I knew that this was going to happen. Great. I know that there are people out there with better movie trailer guy voices but here we go. I believe go. in you. On a world riddled with giant crustaceans and bigger storms, the mentally ill are starting to glow and swords are dropping into their hands out of thin air. Only one man can save the world if he can just get out of bed. Only one man can unite them if he can just figure out who them is. Only one woman. Well, she just needs to figure out who the hell she is. And Lyft? Well, she's just here to eat your lunch. This summer, the singing crabs are coming to take their planet back. Who's gonna stop them? That was amazing. (laughs) Thank you for that. And thank you to Aaron Flora for that wonderful Stormlight Archive explained badly. Coming to a theater near you. (laughs) Sometime in the next 50 years. When we go back to theaters and stuff. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time. Life before death. Strength before weakness. Journey before destination. 